Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. We are well here in Tulsa, and we had really a very wonderful weekend, and I pray you did too. Um, I pray always that you know how much you are loved, and that the world changes, and the church changes in its human element, but it never changes according to what God has made it. It is the church he has created to lead us to heaven. He has created no other church. He has created no other religion. There is one religion willed by God, and um, it is the one, the, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Um, let me just see. I think there's something technically a little, little off here, but no. Okay, we're good. Um, and we've been saying the only thing to do, the only way forward in all the mess we're in, following the Amazon Synod and a hundred years before leading up to it, the only solution, we can't do anything about that. We let God do it uh, through our bishops, through our cardinals. They are the ones who are to fight this war. We fight it through our faithfulness and holiness and prayer and getting deep into our faith, really learning our faith. And so I said, um, I, I promised us that we would do this together by taking up the suggestion of Dr. Taylor Marshall. At the Catholic Identity Conference, he said the only way to do it is to dig deep and learn the faith, and he encouraged everybody, whether they've been through the Baltimore Catechism or not, and I have not, as a convert, ever been through the Baltimore Catechism. He suggested we go through that, even if you were taught it as a child. We renew and deepen our faith. Um, And you know, at least for me, every time I go through the same thing again, but now much older, I really understand it on a deeper level for the first time. So he suggested we go through the Baltimore Catechism and then secondly, the Council of Trent. I don't know if we'll ever have time to go through the Council of Trent together. We might, but let's start with the Baltimore Catechism. That'll keep us a long time. And I pray, uh, beloved, that if you're married, if you have children at home, that you'll do this with them. Even if you just simply listen to this podcast together, or get the Baltimore Catechism and go through it at home. Either way, I have the Baltimore Catechism online, and all we've gone through in Volume 3, which is from high schoolers on up uh, to us, um, it's the first lesson on the end of man, and the number one question asks, which is really terrific, What do we mean by the end of man? If this is going to be the subject of a whole chapter, we need to know what the title means. The focus is on the end of man. What is the end of man? What is he made for? 
And some people will say, maybe some of your children will say, well, the end of man is death, or the end of man is his head, or or his toes, or the end of man is, if they're really spiritual and and, uh, knowledgeable, they may say heaven. But this is the more, what, what happens until heaven? What happens now? We are living toward that end right now. And the answer to that is, by the end of man, we mean the purpose for which he was created, namely, to know, love, and serve God. And of course, if we know, love, and serve him on this earth now, we'll be happy with him in the next forever. There's no question about that. But our place, the reason for our creation, the reason for our existence, is to know, love, and serve God. And someone may say, well, isn't it for us to be happy? It is indeed for us to be happy. And the only way for us to be happy is to live the life God has created us for, which is to know, love, and serve God. A clock can't be happy if it's um, not telling time. A train can't be happy if it's not on the track, confined to the track for which it was created. So our purpose was to know, love, and serve God, the end of man. And the second question here is, how do you know that man was created for God alone? How do you know that? And the answer is, I know that man was created for God alone because everything in the world was created for something more perfect than itself. But there is nothing in the world more perfect than man, than mankind, than us. We're God's highest creation. Therefore, Man was created for something outside this world, you see. If we are God's highest creation, and there's nothing within this world more perfect than mankind, and there is not, then man was created for something outside this world. And since he was not created for the angels, he must have been created for God. You see, aren't these answers magnificent and give us deeper understanding, right? deeper understanding. It's a wonderful thing. And what we've been looking at in Frank Sheed's book titled Society and Sanity is if the purpose for which we were created is to know, love, and serve God, the end of man, how do we know that man was created for God alone? And then the next question, what respect are all men, and that's man, woman, human beings, equal? Now, we're to answer all these questions, Frank Sheet proposes, we have to know what man is. We have all these programs, educational programs, uh, work programs, um, goals to be doctors and nurses and school programs of every kind for man. But they don't know, people cannot answer the question, what is man? How can you serve man? How can you advance him? How can you... Uh, cater to his better needs and self if you don't know what man is. Now, um, what we've gone through in the book so far is talking about that question. All the advances in science and education, all of that, are for man, but they don't know what man is. They don't, and they're wrong. None of those advances make us happy. None of them fulfill the purpose for which we were 
created. And he talks about people in the past that have sought to solve the problem by socialism and all kinds of things. And, um, And he brought up Lenin and Marx, who did not solve that problem. His solution... Um, uh, he, he too saw that Lenin saw and Marx did not. Marx, let me see now, um, I think he said was more the mass- mathematician. Um, the classless society is an end in itself. If the human race, he said this, um, if the human race will not serve, nature must try another experiment. If the human race will not serve, this is Marx, uh, then, um, then nature must try another experiment. In other words, the classless society, everybody's the same, everybody's the same, is an end in itself is what they sought. They sought to eliminate the classes. If man is not adequate for it, then nature must find some creature that is. But for us, the problem is to construct social institutions for ourselves. Listen to this. If mankind is fallen, if none of man's mathematical, sociological, um, all these propositions, they really don't relate to the human being and what he has made in the image of God. They don't. Well, if they don't, then we need to construct a social institution for ourselves, not for some unknown race not yet on the horizon, and of the material available, namely, men as they are, which includes their real possibilities of improvement, though the sensible sociologist will not exaggerate the possibilities. This precisely is sanity, a steady refusal to lose contact with what is okay. Uh, how How do I put this into a few words when we have spent the whole weekend not not following this up. Um, the main thing is, if we don't know, if society, businesses, uh, all sorts of even human care organizations, they're trying to become millionaires through mankind. They're trying to even help society. But they don't know what man is. How do you help human beings if you don't know what a human being is? You have dogs. You know what dogs is are. You know how to feed them. You know how to play with them. You know basically what their needs are. You take them outside, all of that. You have a good idea. But if you don't know what a human being is, who is the highest human being God ever created, um, the highest uh, creation of God, higher than the angels, higher than animals, higher than anything God has created. And if you don't know what a man is, and when I say man, we mean human beings, male and female, then how do you relate to him? How do you educate him? How do you serve his needs? How do you help him reach his potential? You don't know what he is. And so you create a system um, of communism, of socialism, of uh, an education that's going to uh, make man into what you want him to be. And he's not what you want him to be. It's going to fail. It's absolutely going to fail. But you, 
you go ahead with it anyway. And and he's and, and Frank Sheet says this is precisely um, sanity, which is a steady refusal to lose contact with what is. And I I can't follow that at this point because I I've read the beginning of it two days uh, before. But um, if you deal with what is not, if you're not realistic, and right now uh, everyone running for president except one uh, is really dealing with insanity. They do not understand what the human being is, what the human race is. They're speaking of socialism. It's an evil. Uh, They're speaking of controlling society because they don't know what society is. And um, what is sane is, uh, let me see, um, a steady refusal to lose contact with what is. What is, is what God has created. And if we continue to deny that, that is insanity. We do not see sanely. We do not see what is real. People are not animals or items to be manipulated. Okay. I probably really confused you with all that. Let me go on to the next um, uh, portion here. The ignored question arises every day. That is, what is man? We ignore it. We ignore it. Look at the all the debates for uh, President of the United States. Look at all the solutions in the communist countries. Look at what's happening in China and Venezuela and Russia and, and what's trying to be made happen in this country. It's insane. It has nothing to do with what man is. And that ignored question arises every day, Frank Sheet says, in relation to man's handling of himself and his treatment of other people in the smallest personal and largest national issues. Whether it's a mother treating her child, a father treating his child, if there's no respect for the child, if there's no understanding of, of who that child is, that child will be mistreated. Um, to take a question on which there is difference of opinion, is divorce or free love right? There's the question. Is divorce or free love right? Swallows do not take one wife for life. Alley cats are promiscuous. And the most rigid pietist thinks no worse either of swallows or alley cats. Obviously, we are back at the question of what man is. We must settle that before we can give an intelligent answer to these or any other questions of personal morality. Beloved, this may be a little off topic for what many of you are struggling with right now, but it's not, beloved. It is the most important question. Men, do you treat your wife poorly? Do you abuse her? Do you demand that she serve you? That she be what you want her to be? Mothers, do you control your husband? Do you control your children, wanting them to turn out exactly the professionals you want them, and you refuse to acknowledge who they are because you've never taken the time to find out You just know what you think they should be or what you want them to be. This comes down to every level of life, beloved. It's very important. We need to settle the question of what man is. 
We must, and that'll help you to respect your children, to honor them. Children, it will help you to honor and respect your parents. We must settle that question before we can give an intelligent answer to these or any other questions of personal morality. It would be a strange coincidence, Frank Sheet says, if the answers were the same, whether man is a being akin to the angels or an animal which has made better use of its opportunities than other animals, or a mere collection of electrons and protons, a chemical formula, a thing for which a doctor might write a prescription. And of course, none of these are true. Matters like divorce and free love, you might say, if you knew very little of the world, are personal and can safely be left to the individual to settle as he pleases. Take some more general question which cannot be written off like that. Is it right to handle men solely for our convenience? We put animals to work for us, thinking only of our needs, wholly ignoring their preferences. You think of oxen and workhorses and all kinds of other situations. Our medical men use animals for their experiments infecting them with appalling diseases, vivisecting them. It is wrong to make slaves or laboratory guinea pigs. No, here's the it's a question. Is it wrong to make slaves or laboratory guinea pigs of men to vivisect men? Certainly it is wrong, you reply. You cannot treat men like animals. Personally, Frank Sheet says, I agree that you cannot, but only because Knowing what man is, I know how he differs from the lower animals and what difference the differences make. Which only means that to answer the question intelligently, you have to settle what a man is. It is not enough to say that men would suffer from being enslaved or infected with disease or sliced up. Animals do not enjoy any of those things. Why should we consider a man's feelings and not a pit pony's or a dog's? Obviously, it depends on our view of what man is. You think my examples are fantastic, he says. That it will be sufficient, that it would be sufficient to answer that sort of question when it arises. Who wants to treat men like that? If you can ask that, then you have forgotten about the forced labor camps of Russia today, the scientific experiments on living men in German concentration camps a few years ago. You may never personally meet a man, although our whole civilization is threatened by a system that argues in favor of these things. But if you do meet such a man, you will not be able to refute this his arguments unless you can state and support a view of what man is that renders them unintelligible, untenable. I do not want to go on multiplying examples, Frank Sheet says, every one of which will seem more obvious than the one before it. Once we are aware of this line of thought, it is clear that all intelligent sociology is bound up with it. We attach, for example, immense value to human equality. All men, we say, are equal. But equal in what? 
There is not a single quality in which all men are equal, or in which any two men are equal. Is the phrase meaningless? It has meaning only on one condition, a condition which most of these, most of those who use it, do not fulfill. A condition which, um, excuse me, all men are equal, only in the sense that all men are equally men. And again, don't get confused. I'm, I'm not distinguishingly man and woman, male and female. God says men. He made man and he created man, male and female. When we speak of men, we speak of mankind. We don't have to say humankind. Mankind. All men. Men and women. All men are created only in the sense that all men are equally men, equally human beings, just as all triangles are triangles, or all elephants, elephants, so that men are equal to one another in all that is involved in being a man. But we do not know what is involved in being a man until we know what a man is. Now, beloved, I hope you're not turned off by this. I hope you're not bored by this. If you're a young person, you should be all ears. This is what your schools should be teaching, what you are, what we are as human beings. And only then can we know to what heights God would bring us. Only then can we plan a future. Frank Sheed goes on, Indeed, something even more obviously practical than human equality is at stake, namely human rights. The phrase rights of man too often means that it is good or humane or socially useful to concede him. But concessions, however liberal, are not rights. Rights are what man is entitled to, not what society is willing to let him have. They belong to man because he is man and are valid even against society. Unless they are this, they are not rights at all, but only a more or less hopeful expectation of society's kindness. But has man rights? Obviously, the answer depends on what man is. You think I'm overdoing this question or Frank Sheet is overdoing the question? No, 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 no. We talk about our rights to do what we want. I have a right to kill someone if I want. You do not have a right. The only true rights you have are given to you by God. You have the freedom to disobey God. You have the freedom to sin. You have the freedom to do what you want but you don't have the right to do what you ought not. Our oughts, our rights come from God. No one else has power to give you a right. If our government says that you have the right uh, to do certain things and it's a, a moral government, well, that's good. Under the government, you have those rights. But if the government says you have a right to kill your neighbor, well, you don't have that right. Not before God, you don't. The only rights we have are from God, our moral rights. And again, a good society can give us societal rights, but only if they are in line with what man is. If what, 
uh, with what God created man to be. Frank, she says, I repeat that in quiet times, where customs long established go their untroubled way, questions like this might be left to the philosopher. But in our own day, there is not a single human institution that is not under fire. Not a single one. Beloved, if you are not interested in this book that we're going through, I want you to email me. I ask you to email me because I'm finding this an enormous treasure. I'm reading it for the first time through with you, and I think it's absolutely outstanding that we can identify who we are and begin to not only respect ourselves, but others, especially those we live with in our own household, and begin to put society and those running for office in a proper perspective. God gives us all the answers, beloved. I think this is absolutely crucial. If you don't want it or you're bored with it or you think we shouldn't be reading it, let me know. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. John Leonardi. Comforted with the holy mysteries of your precious body and blood, we beseech you, O Lord, that by the example of St. John, your confessor, we may be zealous to confess what he believed and to put into practice what he taught. You who live and reign with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Love learning more about the Church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our Church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. At iCatholic Radio, we are blessed to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ through the latest of technology. But don't rely on just one of your mobile devices for listening to iCatholic Radio. Download our free app to all your Android and Apple mobile devices, ensuring you'll never miss a show. That's iCatholic Radio, great Catholic programming, available for download through the Google Play and iTunes Store. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. 
um, we have this whole half hour to ourselves, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll free or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from Sarah, and she writes, "Dear Mother Miriam, thank you for the work you do for bringing us God's light in the dark times we currently live in." I was raised Catholic but due to dysfunctional family became very confused in my teens, left the church, and spent almost 20 years exploring the new age. However, thanks to God's amazing grace, Jesus called my name a few years ago. I became a born-again Christian, a devout one, faithfully attending a Protestant church, reading my Bible, and repenting for all the shameful sins I committed while in the new age, pagan meditation, witchcraft, tarot, um, mediumship, uh, Ouija boards, worshiping angels, feminism, supporting LGBTQ community, even having a lesbian relationship, etc. She says, still, I have found that not only is there lack of holiness in Protestant churches, but to my horror, they are quickly becoming totally defiled by social justice ideology. How do I go back to becoming a Catholic? Do I need to receive all the Roman Catholic sacraments again? Yours sincerely, Sarah. And she says, my story is a confirmation of what you always say about the importance of family. If my parents' marriage wasn't so dysfunctional, if my rebellious mother wasn't reading books by Eric von Daniken, who claims that the human race was created by an advanced alien race, I would have not become so confused and would have never left the church because I always loved God and spent 20 years searching for him. It was my return to Christianity which brought my family together again and healed my relationship with my parents. Blessed be God, Sarah. I am so, so grateful to God for how he has brought you back. Um, uh, and you might know that I spent 18 years through what I considered a very wonderful evangelical Protestant Christianity, for whom I will be eternally grateful. But again, nowhere on earth is the holiness and the reverence that exists in the Catholic Church as God intended it to be. Um, Beloved Sarah, we had a young lady spend the weekend with us, a young teenager who is just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soul. And she also came back to the church. She spent years in Protestantism. And when she came back and she said to us yesterday, um, uh, this is what I've always been searching for and could never find, in not just in Protestantism but other religions. The Catholic Church is the one Christ established to get us to heaven. And Sarah, I'm so glad you want to come home. If you have already been baptized and you've been confirmed, all you well, even if you haven't been confirmed, all you need to do, Sarah, um, if you, you don't have to repeat any sacrament you've already had, you just simply need to go to confession and then come out of the confession, a new little butterfly, and receive communion and then be faithful to go to Mass every Sunday and receive communion. That's all you need to do. And I would not stand on a confession line. Um, I would do uh, what we did this weekend, make an appointment with a very, very holy priest. 
and tell him that it's been so many years, 20, uh, since you left the church and you, you want to come home and you want to spend time with him in confession. Uh, and don't worry about the confession. Don't worry about what you remember. You don't. Don't worry about it. You tell him what's on your heart, what you do remember, and then all you need to do is say, and Father, I don't remember anything else, but whatever else I've done or failed to do, I'm sorry for it. And he will give you absolution, Sarah. And when the priest says, I absolve you, it is God alone who forgives sins. And it is God who says, I absolve you through that priest. Those are God's words through the priest to you, and you can trust them. And then you're back home, and you can receive communion. And if you have not been confirmed, or you can arrange that with the priest to be confirmed, but you don't have to wait for communion to be confirmed. I am going to urge you, dear Sarah, to try to find a Latin parish. I'm going to urge you to find a Latin parish. The young lady that came back to the church yesterday um, came with us to our Latin parish, and she's been to many Novus Ordo parishes, and she said that she has found what you have found also, just uh, a loss of the holy. And so I would urge you, if you can, to find a Latin parish and go to that priest and let him guide you, if you can. And if you cannot... um, then I would urge you to seek out a very holy, or, or the holiest you can, Novus Ordo Parish. No female altar servers, and um, hopefully the priest celebrating Mass at Orientum, that's facing the altar, not facing the people, um, and with holy, reverent music. If you can, you need to go where you can find it, but keep looking for what is absolutely holy and worthy of God. Um, God bless you, dear one. I'm so glad you wrote in, Sarah. God bless you, and you'll be in our prayers. We have a text from Christina uh, who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. My name is Christina, and I'm a young mother. My children are two and a half, one, and I am 17. Okay, so she has two children. One is two and a half, and one is a year old, and... I am 17 weeks pregnant with her third. Okay. My husband and I have been researching the crisis of the education system for four years now. We have concluded that we will homeschool our children, no matter if it leads us to living from paycheck to paycheck. God bless you, Christina. I promise you, you will never lack. You will never lack what you need. And she says, my question is in regards to the Equality Act. Every Democrat presidential candidate is supporting. The part that is especially concerning is that the state will have the power to take children from their parents if the parents do not teach them the public school curriculum for sex education. Oh my goodness, Christina. I'm 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 in shock. I know we're heading this way, but I did not know that it was upon us. Uh, Based on this, okay, okay, sweetheart, we're going to come right back after the break to your email. I've been warning everyone, but I didn't know that this, this act was upon us like this. That is very frightening. 
Okay, Christina, God bless you, and we'll be right back. Hold on. Beloved, don't go away. We'll be right back after the break. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, and uh, we have 15 minutes plus together, and I welcome you to call in with anything on your heart, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We've been reading a, um, a very serious email here from Christina, and I'm going to read it from the beginning. It's not very long, but it's very important. Christina says, hello, Mother Miriam. My name is Christina, and I'm a young mother. My children are two and a half, one, and I am 17 weeks pregnant. My husband and I have been researching the crisis of the education system for four years now. We have concluded that we will homeschool our children, no matter if it leads us to living from paycheck to paycheck. Bravo. 
My question is in regards to the Equality Act every Democrat presidential candidate is supporting. Um, And let me just say, Christina, I have not read that act. And the way you're describing it, I haven't even heard of it. So I have to do some research on that. Uh, She says the part that is especially concerning is that the state will have the power to take from their parents, to take children from their parents, if the parents do not teach them the public school curriculum for sex education. This is, um, and I said just before the break, this is almost too horrifying for words. You see, it's, it is overnight. The evil is taking over overnight. Um, <clears throat> and she says, based on this, would it be better for parents to send their children to public school and teach them faith as much as possible rather than lose the children completely to the system? I know both situations are not good, but I'm looking for advice on what to do if such a law is passed. Well, I've got to research that law, Christina, because I I, I follow the news every day, and obviously this has skipped by me. This kind of so-called equality, there's no equality in that, um, that would take children from their parents if they don't teach them the public school sex education. The solution is never to send your children to that public school. If that they're that evil, you don't want corrupt people teaching, corrupt the system rather, um, teaching that to your children. You don't want that. If you must take the, the public school education uh, for sex ed into your home or lose your children, you accept that. You accept that. I'm just saying in advance what I would do. Then you accept the curriculum just on sex ed. But you are in control of what you teach to your children. You accept it, and you teach your children what certain things say uh, to the degree you think you can expose your children and teach them what God says. Teach them the truth, always. But don't refuse the program because they just have that control or might have it over sex ed, but we're not talking about anything else right now. Uh, so you can protect your children uh, in in taking them through a couple of points in that program. You're never going to teach children what is sin or what is evil. You're never going to do that. You're never going to do that because um, that's what Peter said in the book of Acts. Uh, you tell us whether we obey men or God. You see, so you do the best you can with it to not have your children taken from you, but you do not teach them what is evil and what is destructive for them. And you do not send them to the public school. So I'm saying that much with confidence without telling you what to do uh, based on the law, because I don't know the law. And um, it, it may be uh, some years before something evil like that is passed. We had a call from Nancy um, who uh, is off the line, but asked us to um, give the name of the book I'm reading from, and I'll show it to you. It's Society and Sanity. Society and Sanity. Let me just see if if you can see that. Yeah. Society and Sanity by F.J., which is Frank um, Sheed. That's the author. So Society and Sanity by F.J. Sheed, and this says on the bottom, Sheed and Ward, that's the publishing company. Society and Sanity, and I believe we looked it up, that it was published in 1953. Okay, so I would I would uh, urge you to get that book and actually look up anything that Frank Sheed has written 
um, it, you will not regret reading anything he's written. It's fantastic. Um, we have a text from David in Western New York who says, Dear Mother Miriam, I have St. Michael the Archangel relics from the stone wall of a cave where he appeared in Italy. Oh, how wonderful. Where should I keep these relics? Should I put them in each of our bedrooms or the four corners of our house? Thank you and God bless you. Well, you know what? If you have enough to put them in each of your bedrooms, I I say that's really, really wonderful. Um, and if you can get little reliquaries, something to, to hold them in so they can be on display, you know, or in a little case and, and put them in each of your bedrooms and, and say the prayer to St. Michael, you with your children, uh, before they go to bed, that would be, or in the morning, I think that would be very, very good. If you want to put them in the four corners of the house, that's fine, but I would choose to put them in your bedrooms. There's no should on this. It's whatever you think. Okay, whatever you wish, but I would opt for the bedrooms. That's really wonderful. Um, We have a question from Candace from Facebook. Dear Mother, you frequently speak of your evangelical Protestant background. May I ask what denomination you were following? Thank you. Actually, we didn't consider ourselves a denomination. We were non-denominational non-denominational and um, when I came into the Catholic Church I concluded we were in the denomination of non-denominational Christianity and and that's what it was. I was part of um, a couple of churches but the the church where I came in and actually received Christ um, and stayed for most of my 14 of my 18 evangelical years was Grace Community Church in Sun Valley uh, California, where John MacArthur is still pastor of that church. And I have only gratitude. Um, much anti-Catholicism taught, but only in ignorance. Um, and um, I have, uh, I will forever be grateful for John MacArthur and for that church. So there it was, non the denomination of non-denominationalism. <clears throat> We have a question also from Frank from Facebook, and he says, Mother Miriam, I have an honest and serious question. Maybe you could give insight. I would appreciate any form of advice, even if negative. If we are honest, we do know that some sisters cannot leave certain convents, monasteries, or cloisters. That's right. And if they cannot leave, uh, Frank, they're generally cloistered sisters. There are cloistered and there are active. So if they cannot leave, they are cloistered. And Frank says, we know that some have escaped from some saying, oh, help, they were raped and beaten. Oh, my goodness. You know, I also know that, Frank, um... And I, I've read those stories from the past. I hope they aren't current stories. Um, Frank says, we know that some, um, and he says, one cannot discredit all of them as some have been verified. I am not trying to judge or speak against Catholicism. And let me stop there just to say, um, I've heard those horrible stories, and I believe them, Frank. It's just awful. And I'll tell you what. Um, more women have been raped and beaten in their own families than have been in convents. It's a tragic, awful thing. A tragic, awful thing. And Frank says, um, 
I am not trying to judge or speak against Catholicism. Well, I understand that, Frank. We can't judge and speak against the family because some have been raped and beaten. We know it's beyond dysfunctional. It is awful and immoral and a horror situation. Frank writes, I also know that intervention from law enforcement is impossible and there is little proof. Well, I don't know why it's impossible. It shouldn't be impossible. Um, He says, that is why I don't comment much on news articles about these issues. Here is my question. How could a male, non-Catholic individual share the deeper things of who Jesus is with these sisters who are in settings they cannot leave. Well, beloved, a male, non-Catholic individual, even a female Catholic individual, no matter what you are, you can't share the dip- deeper things of who Jesus is with sisters who are in these settings who cannot leave because if they're cloistered, they, they don't have TV, they don't have radio, they're not allowed on the Internet. Uh, how do you share that? They don't even read publications they're kept from the outside world if it's an evil institution like this uh i don't know how you can share this he says by this i mean either books or videos or live streams or such there are reports of young women who have had their faith destroyed through abuse absolutely frank it would appear to me that these young ladies need to know that jesus is with them even in the worst of conditions um hold on now One second here. Let me just uh, go down. Okay. Um, I do realize, he says, that there are good priests, nuns, convents, monasteries, and cloisters. Yes, indeed, Frank, they are. And blessed be God, they outnumber what is corrupt. What is corrupt, beloved, is not Catholic, no matter what its title. It is not Catholic. He says, I have also noticed that there are prison ministries, jail ministries, hospital ministries, nursing home ministries, among others. The one I never hear mention of from either Catholic or mainstream Christianity is in reference to these young ladies who have abandoned everything for the Lord and end up betrayed, beaten, and abused behind walls, um, bards, locks, and gates. If you have any insight into this, I would appreciate your advice. For whatever reason, I feel that some are forgotten and need to get whatever help they can, even if it is only seeing Jesus in a deeper sense. As I wrote earlier about a book I wrote, I hope you have a blessed day. Uh, Frank, this is nothing is more tragic and nothing is more un-Catholic and un-Christian than what you describe. These are, this is evil to the core under the name of Catholicism or Christianity. It is not Christianity, Catholicism in any form. It is not. How you get in there, now I don't know if those uh, exist today. I was a jail chaplain for 10 years, and I know that prisoners were abused and by all kinds of so-called prison officers, It's and by one another, and by gangs. It's a tragic tragic situation uh the thing you can do for them is try to expose it go to the news um uh you're not going to get in there i don't know you just pray for them day and night and um go to whatever higher authority you can 
if you know it's a jail, go to um, the the main jail system, the main lieutenant, something like that. Uh, there might be some Christians within those jails um, that can begin to fight the system. Pray for them, Frank. I don't know how else you can get in there except to go to the police, the authorities, and the higher-ups in the jail system outside of that particular jail. So, uh, And you pray for them. There might be someone in the police force who can know how to get inside. Um, as a jail chaplain, I didn't know how anybody can get inside. But you can try it, um, dear one. We have a call from Emily on the line. Hi, Emily. Are you there, sweetheart? Yeah, I sure am. And in that same vein, all right, I um, am on the periphery of the church because I study a lot of religion. Mm -hmm. And I was brought up by a Roman Catholic Italian stepfather Uh who was a very chaste and decent man. Good. Um, He came out of the Italian mafia Mm -hmm. of Chicago first. Uh, east side of Chicago. He never even took me to meet his family. He was so terrified of them. Okay. And I noticed the practices of the Italian mafia are actually allowed and and in the the church has kind of embraced the Italian mafia. And I look at the practices of the mafia, the protection rackets, the treachery, the vices, and, and stuff. And I look at the practices of Islam, which is embracing, and they have the same practices as yes. the Emily, Let me come in quickly, sweetheart. That's our ending music for the program. I, I need to you to know something very important. The church has not embraced the Italian mafia. mafia. The church has not embraced any evil whatsoever. P- corrupt people, even... Priests and prelates within the church have embraced that. The church has never and will never embrace such evil. It cannot embrace such evil. But there are evil people in the church who do that. They don't represent the church. Emily, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. That's the end of our program today. We'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.